0: Go back with me to First Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And if you did not have a handout uh, that we gave on last week, raise your hand and see if I can be able to bring some of those out. Did I get a handout? All right. So, babe, if you hear me in the back, I think we need about 10 of those, or at least I know seven, eight of them. So we'll, we'll get that to you. That's going to be our guiding principle uh, for our teaching tonight. I uh, wanted to, uh, to make sure that uh, uh, you have... Uh, The information that we need to to go through and get uh, wisdom and understanding uh, from the scripture. Uh, God is a good God and he's worthy to be praised. First Corinthians the 12th chapter uh, and uh, we'll begin our reading there at verse number one I believe it is. Hallelujah. Paul is writing uh, to the uh, Church at Corinth here, and uh, you should have, the, it says, spiritual gift discovery on the back. Beth, can you bring out some more of these? We need some people that need some of them, up, okay? Hallelujah. Um, uh, Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth, and he writes, uh, encouraging them. And you guys know we've studied this, this first Corinthians, this book. Uh, this church was flourishing with spiritual gifts. Uh, we know they had some other issues and problems that had to be dealt with. And so, but Paul is encouraging them in this particular area, he says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your special question about the special abilities, regarding your question about the special abilities, the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. KJV says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. Text says, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. There are, Now watch this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. So the source of spiritual gifts comes from where? The Holy Spirit. The Holy spirit. What we're discovering as we go through these different gifts, each definition, uh, the phrase that we're using is the divine enablement. Everybody say divine enablement. In other words, uh, this is something that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. This is not about uh, something that you learned on your own or brought up, but it's something that you that the Holy Spirit enables you and empowers you to do. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. Verse five, uh, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Uh, God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. So as we're going through and talking about spiritual gifts and trying to, uh, make sure that we discover what, what's our particular gifting, always remember this guys and girls is that it's the spirit of God working in us all. It's the spirit of God that's doing the work through us. We are participants in that. Okay. If you need one, uh, raise your hands, y'all, um, So, uh, as we go through here, uh, I I want us to flip back uh, to page six in your your outline. uh, And uh, we're going to pick back up with the spiritual gift of encouragement. Okay? Uh, Encouragement. Hallelujah. Encouragement. Now, literally, the gift of encouragement, it means to come alongside of. To come alongside of. Uh, All of us, at certain points in time... In our life, need someone to come alongside us. Need someone to help us. None of us are an island to ourselves. We need someone to come alongside us, right? All right. And so, the description of the gift of encouragement is the divine enablement to present truth so as to strengthen, comfort, and urge to action those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. Uh, There are some things that the enemy can send you away that if you're not careful will have you discouraged in your faith walk. There are some things that can begin to happen in your life that can even cause you to doubt that God is who he says he is. That that fleeting moment of doubt that comes to your head. And I've always said this, doubt may come to your head, but you got to be strong enough in your faith to not let it get down in your heart. Okay, doubt will come to your head, but never let it penetrate your heart. Because again, here's how we know it is penetrating our hearts. We said that the Bible says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks." So when our heart is full of something, come on, eventually it's going to come where out of our mouth. You you can hold something in for only so long when you fool, but when you fool, guess what's going to happen? It's going to come. Bu- it's going to come bubbling out of your mouth, and there. You ever talk to people sometimes, and, and, and they, and all of a sudden it just it just rushes out, and you say, well, you know, I I didn't know you thought that way. Where, where is this coming from? Well, it's been in there all the time, but they got full, and when they got full, it came bubbling out of their mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. Is that correct? All right, but but again, let's get back here. The gift of encouragement is the divine able to present truth so as to strengthen, comfort, and urge to action those who are discouraged are wavering in their faith. So when those times when we're discouraged in our faith and we're wavering, we need somebody to come alongside us and to encourage us and let us know that, hey, we can get through this situation that we're going through. So what are some of the distinctives of people who are operating in the gift of encouragement? Well, they come to the side of those who are discouraged to strengthen and reassure them. They challenge, comfort, and confront others to trust and hope in the promises of God. And they also urge others to action by applying biblical truth, motivate others to grow, and emphasize God's promises and have confidence in his will. So what are some of the traits? Uh, People who have the gift of encouragement have a positive attitude. They're motivating uh, they're challenging. I don't want people around me when I'm going through something who are who are who are negative Nellies. All right. And down and, and downer Dave, you know, everything is down. Everything is, you know, not going to work out. And, and everything is. Oh, oh, woe is me. Everything is is everybody holding me down, holding me back. No, I need somebody who's going to encourage me. Hey, you can get through this. I need somebody who's going to remind me that the word of God says you're the head, not the tail, you're above, not beneath. I need somebody to remind me that God's promises are still true. And people with the gift of encouragement have a unique way of doing it. They're motivating, they're challenging, they're affirming, they're reassuring, they're supportive, and they're trustworthy. Some of the cautions that these people have to be aware of is they can sometimes be overly optimistic, too simplistic, or flattering. So you got to be very careful. Uh, There are some people I know who who do this well, and there are some people who go overboard uh, to the point to where they're encouraging, and they're, and sometimes they're not as all the way honest with you. All right, um, you know, if if let's say for instance, uh, if I'm trying to encourage you to do a particular service, or let's just say if uh, if you are singing, and, and I'm trying to encourage you, and you're singing, to, you know, to sing as unto the Lord, uh, I don't want to tell you and make you feel like you uh, you sing like Aretha Franklin. You follow me because uh, that may not be your your, your particular forte, but I'm, I'm going to encourage you. Hey, sing to the Lord! But I'm not going to encourage you to go to the studio and and cut an album. <laughs> Sometimes people go overboard in encouraging. All right, so people who have this gift have to be cautious of that fact that you got to speak truth to people. You encourage them, but you also got to speak truth to them. If someone spoke or did a, a presentation and it was not very good. Don't make them feel like it was the best thing since the Gettysburg address. Are you following me? Uh, Because if there's areas that need to be improved in, uh, people with the gift of encouragement have to be careful that they don't just overindulge. Are y'all following me here? Okay. Uh, They should first take time to understand where others are and what they really need. And um, and then they may want to just say positive things to others. And avoid being confrontational when it's needed. So, when you have this gift of encouragement, there are going to be some times when you are, are not going to be as what I'm saying. Encourage you speak in truth and love. I think when you speak speak the truth in love, you really are being biblical, and you are you can encourage people to take a look at what they did and make sure they make any make course correction that need to be made. But but you got to be cautious in there. Let's let's go and look at Acts 11 chapter right quick. And this person you're going to know. Uh, Ralph the bat. He's known as the son of consolation, the son of encouragement. Who's that guy? Barnabas, right? Acts eleven chapter, uh, verse starting at verse. Let's start at verse number 22. I think that's where we want to go. Acts eleven chapter. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Let's go go back to verse number 19. Verse number 19. Verse 19. Meanwhile the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God but only to the Jews. Verse 20. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. 21 The power of the Lord was with them and a large number of these Gentiles believed. And turn to the Lord. One thing about when you evangelize and then share the message of Jesus Christ, when you're walking under the anointing of God, when you're walking under the anointing of Jesus Christ, then your ability to reach people is is, is 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 personified even greater because now it's not you relying on your intellect and your skill sets, but you're relying on the Holy Spirit who's moving in you and through you, right? Anything that we do. As a ministry, anything that we do as an individual uh, believer, should, we should rely on the empowering Holy Spirit to get us where we need to get to. OK, so so when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. All right. Let's keep reading. It says what? Uh, when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And what did he do? He encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Because again remember the gospel was to the Jew first and then the Gentile. And then there was even some who were out of the church of Jerusalem who who thought that Gentiles couldn't have the same experience that they had had. But here we see very clearly that they were ministering to Gentiles and Gentiles were get, gotten saved. And Barnabas went there and saw it and observed it and he encouraged them. Everybody say encouraged them. Look at 23 and 24. It says, when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Verse 24, Barnabas was what? A good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord, okay? So Barnabas here goes into the situation and he begins to encourage them to keep on doing what you're doing, but make, make sure you stay true to the Lord and what we've taught you as apostles. Amen. So the gift of encouragement is, is, is crucially important in the body of Christ. We need these kind of people in the church. The kind of people who will call you just say, hey, listen, you're going to get through this. God's going to see you through. Remember what we've been taught, stand on his word and watch God do what he only God can do. Encouragement. We need to be encouraged from time to time, right? I don't care who you are, you need uh, uh, some encouraging words. So, so so the gift of encouragement, you may be thinking of somebody right now who operates in this gift and every time you see them, they're, they're, they're uplifting people. Y'all know anybody like that? Anybody, anybody, any, anybody in your life who you communicate with that has this gift? Uh, this gift tends to be very evident. Even though the person who's doing it may not even understand that that's what they're doing, but that's what's really happening. Barnabas was the guy who did that. Because you remember when Paul uh, and Barnabas had a separation, right? And it was over a guy by the name of whom? John Mark. John Mark had had, had quit on the missionary journey and went back and they were getting ready to go again. And, and Paul was a little bit more uh, curt, a little bit more direct in his viewpoint and analysis of things. And Paul says he can't go with us. All right and And so Barnabas, who was the son of Constellation, the one who's trying to encourage John Mark because John Mark just he quit on him and and uh, Paul said, no, 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 as a matter of fact, the Bible says the contention was so strong that they that they decided to go in separate directions in their missionary journey and and even even through that, God still was working with both of them and utilized them to have greater impact when they went to several different in two different directions but the, but the point i'm trying to make is Barnabas had that spirit of encouragement and he 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 brought John Mark and along with him. And then obviously when you read later on where Paul encouraged him to bring John Mark with him and that he's going to take John Mark with him on, a, on his next missionary journey. Something happened to where he, he grew up in his faith walk. So Barnabas was instrumental. Sometimes in your life when you feel like quitting, you need somebody with the gift of encouragement to come along and say, no, we're not going to quit. We're going to get through this thing, all right? So the gift of encouragement. Go to the next one. Page seven, the gift of evangelism. All right, evangelism. Uh, literally, it means to bring good news, right? Uh, the gift of evangelism is div- the divine enablement to effectively communicate the gospel to unbelievers so that they respond in faith and move toward discipleship. Now, again, the divine enablement. People who have the gift of evangelism have a unique ability to to reach people with the gospel and get a response from them. Guess what, guys? All of us in here have a responsibility to share the good news of Christ. None of us in here are exempt from being ambassadors for Christ. But people who have this gift have a unique ability, and and, and it's a a burden uh, on them to, to always be on the lookout for those who don't know Christ. All right? These people who have this gift are constantly uh, looking for ways to strategize, to to reach the lost, to get out there and to share the gospel with them. What are their distinctives? Look what it it says. It says um, uh, they communicate the message of Christ with clarity and conviction. Uh, They seek out opportunities to talk to unbelievers about spiritual matters. Uh, they challenge unbelievers to faith and to become fully devoted followers of Christ. They adapt their presentation of the gospel to connect with the individual's needs. And they seek opportunities to build relationships with unbelievers. That is something that we've been talking about around here quite a bit. Is that if we're going to be effective in sharing the gospel with people, uh, it's important for us to get comfortable with being relational. Right. So let me ask you a question. How many of you are sitting here today? Uh, will w- w- say that that sometimes being relational can be a challenge for you. And when I say being relational, I mean meeting people who you don't know, all right, striking up a conversation, purposely with the idea that I want to build a relationship with this person. How many of you sometimes struggle with that? I mean, you want to kind of be by yourself. You, 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 you You're not a very trusting person, so you don't really want to meet somebody because you're afraid that that they're going to try to take advantage of you. Anybody in that world been in that before? Okay, all right, no no problem. I understand where you are. Amen. Uh, sometimes it's not as easy to do this if we're if we're especially if we're trying to do it in our own strength and we're relying on our own intellect and our own upbringing. Um, I believe this that we get better at this when we become intentional about it, and we get better at this. When we actually pray and ask God to give us a a a, a spirit that 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 really uh, has a burden for the laws. all right? Because I don't know about you, but I'm I'm more apt to listen to somebody who I know than to listen to somebody who I don't know. Is that you? All right. So if we have some time of some type of relationship, uh, I, I'm gonna probably respond better to to you than the person who knocks on my door on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock and want to tell me about Jesus. Now, not, not that that can't be effective because it can be. People have gotten saved their way. So, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But what I'm saying is I think you have greater results when you build a relationship with people. In other words, just start a conversation. Start talking. That's what Jesus did. And so, I think it's important for us to get better at that because if you if we are afraid to talk to people, if we're not intentional uh, in our approach uh, when we meet people to try to do some discovery, to figure out exactly where does this person stand with Jesus? Because I promise you, if you talk to somebody long enough, you're going to see what's really important to them, which all agree with me. And when you talk to somebody long enough, you'll get sort of an indication of where they stand in their faith wall, right? But we gotta we gotta be intentional in in building those relationships. So even if you don't have the ministry gift of evangelism and have that passion to go out and do this, all of us have a responsibility to do it because the Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. That means that we are to carry the message of Christ to a dying world, and we are to build relationships with people so that we earn the right to speak into their lives. All right. It, I mean, when I say earn the right, in other words, when we've, 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 we've spent time spending what I call relationship capital. In other words, spend time talking with people, spend time uh, just sharing with people and spend time hearing people. Uh, one, of the, one of the greatest things that we can learn to do as believers is learn to be listeners because you can learn a whole lot more listening than you can talking, which y'all agree, all right? So people who have this uh a uh, uh, gift of evangelism. They 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 seek opportunity to be a relationship with unbelievers. So, what are their traits? They're sincere, serious, candid, respected, influential, spiritual, confident, and commitment-oriented. Those those are the traits of people who have the ministry gift of evangelism. What are some of the cautions that they have to be aware of? They need to remember the Holy Spirit, not guilt, is the motivator in a person's decision for Christ. Let's park that for a second. Because guys, I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to dealing with family members, co-workers, or either fellow church members who really don't know what it means to have a relationship with Christ, you can't get somebody into being saved. And I think some of us, uh, if we're honest about it, in our in our dealing with people and sharing with them, some of us have forgotten to rely on the Holy Spirit to do his work. None of us in here have the power to make somebody get saved. And guess what? God never told us to make anybody get saved. Our job is just what? To plant the seed. Somebody else comes along in waters and who gives the increase? God does. So that, that'll free you up uh, from trying to strong arm somebody into getting saved. Because really what you end up doing in most cases you end up running them away. They don't want to see you coming anymore. Right? Right. Because you're trying to make them get saved. It's not your job. and not my job to make me say saved. As a matter of fact, guys, as your pastor, it's not my job to make you do the work of ministry. I teach you. I exhort you. But you, each one of us in here individually, have a responsibility to do what we know the word of God tells us to do. Because you know what that did? That freed me. Because I used to, you know, early on in ministry, I used to try to, it, it would bother me when people knew what the word said but just wouldn't do it. It bothered me when when I know, and I've experienced this for myself, when when I learn more about Christ uh, and learn how to apply the word and learn how to walk in faith, I want everybody to have that same experience. But what I quickly discovered is there are some people who are members of the church, they're not interested in Bible study. I mean, that's why they never come to Bible study. And it's not that they're working. It's not that they're sick, but they just they not they don't have an interest in studying God's word. And so what I quickly understood is is that if they don't have an interest in studying God's word, uh me badging them out coming ain't gonna make them be interested. You can't shame people into coming to Bible study enough. Right? I'm gonna I am gonna keep preaching, right? I'm gonna keep exhorting them, but I don't I don't get been out of shape about it. I'm gonna say what the Lord tells me to say and I'm moving forward. That keeps my hair brat black, okay? <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying. And keeping it cut, cause keeps it, well, you can't see if there's gray coming, all right? <laughs> uh, but, but, but I, I, I literally, I'm concerned about believers, but I've learned that you can't strong-arm somebody into being obedient. They have to have a desire to do so. And that, that'll free you up when you're dealing with your grown children, your grown friends, your grown cousin, your grown family, your own grown mom and daddy. Because everybody's not interested in doing what the word says. People are interested in coming to church, but they're not interested in letting Jesus be the Lord of their life. So until they decide to do that, they'll, they'll remain exactly where they are in a, in a period of no growth. OK, so so don't don't discourage yourself. OK, so we need to remember that the Holy Spirit, not guilt, is to motivating in a person's decision. And people who have this gift should avoid becoming critical of others. By remembering that we are all witnesses, but we are not all evangelists. Okay? Sometimes people who have this gift will criticize others who who don't want to go out and do street with, ministry with them. Don't want to go do prison ministry with them. Uh, everybody don't have this gift. Now, all of us are supposed to go and evangelize, but the ministry gift of evangelism, this person has a burden for it. It's, it's like, the, you know, they wake up in the morning and think about, how can I reach the loss? Okay? What can I do to uh to, to reach somebody for the gospel uh for the gospel's sake? They need to listen to people carefully because the same approach is not appropriate for everyone. Go to Luke 19 with me, right? Luke 19, verse 1. The same approach is not appropriate for everyone. So that's why we got to use wisdom in trying to reach people. Luke 19, let's look at it, verse number one. Starting verse number one. Luke 19, verse number one. Are y'all still tracking with me? All right. So we're, we're going through each one of these gifts. You have a, a succinct definition you you have uh some of the traits the the distinctives and some of the traits of these different giftings and at the end here we'll see how you did with your with your spiritual gift surveys and make sure that um we're on point, especially for those who have not been through the course with us. those who have been through the course with us, I want you to remind yourself you should be looking at yourself see okay, if I know what my gifting is what's preventing me from really uh, you know, operating that gift. And a man's gift will make room for him, okay? Uh, but maybe the room hadn't been made because the gift hadn't been developed or maybe you hadn't been developed. All right, one of the things I've learned is is that uh, God knows exactly where I am. And I don't have to try to uh, jump up and down and say, hey, God, here I am. Hey, God, where's my opportunity? Hey, God, what you gonna do with me now? God knows exactly where I am. If I If I'm obedient and if I stay plugged in, I know God's going to do what he, he, he wants to do in my life. All right. A man's gift will make room for. him. Watch this. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Verse two. Let's read. It says there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. All right. Watch this. He tried to get a look at Jesus. Y'all know the story, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Right. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. The text says when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home. When? Today. Immediately. You know, I'm coming to your house today. Watch this. Back up. How many of y'all at this How many of y'all before you were saved would have been comfortable inviting Jesus to come to your house? How many of y'all right now since you saved would be comfortable inviting Jesus to come to your house? I hope that you would. How many of y'all would let him open your refrigerator? Okay. All right. I'm just checking. Just checking. No, you can't go in there. No, no. Let, let Let me clean something out first, Jesus. How many of y'all will let Jesus go check your search history on your PC? Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, he already know it. So, you know, <laughs> he don't really have to search it. I'm just I'm just wondering if he asks you, what would you say? All right. So here we, here we go. We see Jesus noticing this guy who's climbed up a sycamore tree to get to see Jesus. A chief tax collector who the Bible said he'd become very rich. Guys, you you know the story how he'd become very rich. He was cheating people, taking more than what really was allotted. Okay, So when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Verse six, read, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Watch this, verse seven. But the people were displeased. Watch this. Now, here's how, listen listen to what the people, the people, some of the religious folks, amen, who who knew Zacchaeus' uh, background, the people were displeased, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Okay? Now, watch this. Not not just a sinner, but a notorious sinner. And they grumble. Any of y'all were classified as a notorious sinner before? Before Jesus came to your life? Well, some of y'all think, think you were a good person, but, you know, before you were saved, we were all nasty, all right? So just because you didn't do some stuff that somebody else did don't mean you didn't do some stuff. You know, you your stuff was probably done under cover. And to this day, you ain't told nobody about it, but Jesus knows. Yeah, Jesus knows. Yes, he does. He knows that little secret thing you did, okay? They grumble. They grumble because, why? He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Let me tell you something. Jesus is going to go wherever he can catch fish. Using that in a paradoxical way. He's going to go wherever he can catch fish and we need to be able to go where we can catch fish. Okay? We need to be able to have the freedom to go to places. Now again, when I say go to places, here he's going to the sinner's house. But there are times when we're going to find ourselves amongst the company of folks who, who may be drinking. Our job is not to go in and tell them, stop the drinking, put that bottle down, and come to Jesus. <laughs> That's not your job. That's a poor way to witness. You, you know, because really, guys, drinking it, in and of itself don't send you to hell. Rejecting Jesus send you to hell, okay? So, again, before you gut a fish, you got to catch him, Right? Some of us are not very good at catching fish because we run the fish away. Have you ever been fishing with somebody who they do too much talking? I, now, again, are you now? Does, does talking out loud do anything for the fish? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fisherman. Y'all, y'all help me. Are you supposed to be quiet when you fish? Some, some, some of y'all saying yes. Some of y'all, some of y'all don't know what you're talking about. But I think I think you're, you're not supposed to be just all oh, loud and playing loud music and trying to catch fish, right? I mean, are you? Anybody here fish? You can't talk. You, okay, that echo. You can't be real loud. Okay, all right. All right, so if you got a big mouth, don't go fishing, all right? Just checking. Go to the next verse. Watch this, watch this. I don't know how we got off on that. But you got to catch the fish before you gut them. You got to get somebody saved before you start talking about how they're living. Because again, really, how they're living, sinners are going to sin. So why are you surprised that sinners are sinning? I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm surely not. Okay. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. Now watch this. Jesus, Jesus, just just the mere fact that Jesus says, "I'm coming to your house," something happens to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said. I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord and if I have cheated people on their taxes. He knew he had. Come on. (laughs) That's why they were mad at him. Okay. And if I, because again, what would happen is they were under Roman rulership and the Romans would hire Jews to collect taxes from Jews. So in other words, they were, you know, they were working for the Roman government. They were extracting taxes uh, from Jewish people and they were Jewish. And then they would add some, some on top of it. That's how he got rich. He said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Now, watch this. Here this guy was a notorious sinner. And he's offering now to give half his wealth to the poor and to return back four times as much as he, t- as he extracted from people. Go to the next verse. Let's read. Jesus responded. Now watch this. Based on what Zacchaeus said, Jesus knew that transformation had took place in this man's heart. He says salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a what? True son of Abraham. This man, based on what he said, I'm going to give half a money to the poor. If I cheat anybody, I'm going to pay him back four times. Jesus says, transformation is taking place in this man's heart. Guys, let me tell you something right now. When Jesus comes into your heart, there's going to be a difference in your lifestyle. Don't tell me you saved and you keep doing the same stuff you did before you got saved. That kind of salvation is not in the Bible. And sometimes we sit back and we watch people And they they can serve on the usher board. They can sing in the choir. They can preach from the pulpit. They can play. If their lifestyle is jacked up. And I'm not saying that all of us are subject to messing up. All of us in here can fall. But I'm talking about a lifestyle, practicing lifestyle. They ain't trying to get better. They're not trying to, to let the word govern their actions. There is something wrong with that person's confession of faith. All right. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home this day. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Verse 10 it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's why he's here. That's why he left us here to seek and to save those which are lost. The gift of evangelism is critically important. And, and we need to identify people who have that gifting. But all of us, even if we don't have that gift, should be evangelizing. It's just that those who have this gift, they are passionate about it. And they're, they're, they the Lord used them to do powerful. Uh, works in bringing people to to Christ. To go to the next one, faith, okay? So evangelism. Guys, our concept of evangelism has been somewhat warped over the years. Most of us, when we think of the term evangelism, we think of it's revival meeting and the guest evangelist for the week is pastor so-and-so. Come on, that's right. Most of the guest evangelists. And generally what's happening, and again, revival is needed in the church, but generally what's happening is we're preaching to people who are already saved. You know, periodically you get people to come to the revival meeting who are not saved, but for the most part, they're preaching to people who already made a profession of faith. True evangelism generally, and I'm not saying people can't get saved during the revival meeting, but but a true evangelist does evangelistic work all the time. All right? So, so we got to begin to understand these gifts in order to begin to allow them to work in our, in, in, amongst our body. Do you realize that the Bible says he gave these gifts to build the church? And the vast majority of these gifts, none of us have really studied to see what they mean and to be able to identify them and to affirm somebody else in this gifting. Because how are you going to affirm somebody if you don't know what the gift is? I'm telling you right now. The, the 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 if if you say you're walking in a gift, but nobody in your church is affirming you in that gift, you may you may want to check and see if you really have that gifting. Okay, because affirmation from the body of Christ is key, because that's going to tell you, you when know, people recognize that gift in you. Okay, look at faith. Here's one that uh, again is really important for us. Uh, faith, faith. Now again, remember this. All of us, the Bible says, the just shall. Live by faith, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Every born-again believer uh, has to walk by faith. But now this is a supernatural faith, okay? This is a divine enablement. Look what it says. It uh, literally means to trust, to have confidence, and to believe. Watch this. The gift of faith is the divine enablement to act on God's promises with confidence an unwavering belief in God's ability to fulfill his purpose, okay? What are are the distinctness of people who have this gift? They believe the promise of God and inspire others to do the same. They act in complete confidence of God's ability to overcome obstacles. They demonstrate an attitude of trust in God's will and his promises. They advance the cause of Christ because they go forward when others will not. They go forward when others will not. They do stuff when others say we can't do it. They do stuff and others say, I don't see it. How many of y'all know faith ain't about what you see with your natural eyes? Come on, guys. Without faith, Hebrews 11 and 6 says, It is impossible to please God. The person who comes to God must believe that God is, and he's a reward of them that diligent and seeking. Faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But again, this, this faith, all of us are called to walk by faith. And faith is developed through hearing. But this is, this is this is that. First Corinthians, the 12th chapter, this is that, that, that supernatural faith that comes in the particular situations that is just beyond the faith that's built by studying the word of God. This is Holy Spirit inspired faith, okay? The divine enablement to act on God's promises with confidence and unwavering belief, okay? So uh, they ask for uh, uh, advance the cause of Christ because they go forward when others will not and they ask God for what is needed and trust him for his provision, What are their traits? They're prayerful. They're optimistic. They're trusting. They're assured. They're positive. They're inspiring. They're hopeful. What are the cautions? Need to act on their faith. Okay. Uh, Should remember that those who speak with reason and desire to plan do not necessarily lack faith. Watch that. Should remember that those who speak with reason and desire to plan do not necessarily lack faith. Now, again, that's critical because faith it's not a substitute for planning, for not planning. All right? All right, so because I'm planning and because I'm reasoning it out don't mean I don't have faith. Are you following it? But there will be times when the plan and the reason don't add up with the faith walk that God is asking you to step out on. Remember uh, Peter and those boys and after they allow Jesus to to use their, their boat to preach, and he told he transformed their business model the para, there was a paradigm shift in the way they did business based on what Jesus' word says. He told them to launch out to the deep in the middle of the day and cast your nets now. That was if you knew anything about commercial fishermen in that day, you, you you would know that to that commercial fisherman that was crazy what Jesus was telling them to do because that, that's not what they did. They fished at night and they fished in the shallow water. That's how they did business. But how many of you know, when you get a word from Jesus, Mandy, it don't matter how it's always been done, when you follow that word, God can transform your situation when you're willing to trust him. So it was different. People who who move in this type of supernatural faith aren't, aren't afraid to step out and do stuff differently. Okay. All right, so so when, when they when they acted upon Jesus' word, I think it's in Luke, the fifth chapter. Y'all, y'all have heard it preached countless, countless numbers of times. They caught so many fish, the net began to break. All because they allowed Jesus, Jesus to use their asset, their boat, to preach the gospel. And nets full of fish equal what? Money, right? They allowed Jesus to use their, their asset, their boat, and then Jesus gave them a, a, a rainbow word. He gave them a paradigm-shifting word. Say, "Do bitches this way," and when they did it, prosperity came to them in the form of fish in the net. Fish net began to break. They had to call for other boats. <laughs> Say, "We got to get all this fish up." Peter was so undone. Said, "Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner." He was so blessed. He just he, he didn't feel worthy to be around Jesus. But when when supernatural word comes, when faith in this element operates like that, then you you can see the Holy Spirit moving, okay? Go go with me to Romans, the fourth chapter, another incident you guys are are, are familiar with. The other thing is people who have this gift should listen to and consider the counsel of wise and spirit-filled believers. Because there are some people who get a little too spiritual. I call it spooky spiritual. All right. Now, again, there are times you you, you got to listen to learn to listen to wise counsel, but there are going to be some times when what God is telling you to do doesn't make sense to the natural man. All right. But 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 always be willing to, to seek wise counsel because sometimes we can th- this kind of faith here, guys. It's you, you, you can build up faith by hearing the word of God for faith coming by hearing him by the word of God. But this kind of faith is that supernatural faith that the Holy Spirit gives you to do something that's 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 unique, that's out of the ram, out of out of out of what's normal. And, and so you got to be careful that if he does it one time, sometimes people will try to conjure it up the next time it operates as the spirit wills. This kind of faith. We can always use our faith that's developed from the word to live everyday life. But this kind of faith goes beyond that. It's it's supernatural. So when God uses you that way by virtue of the Holy Spirit empowering you to believe at this level up here, you have to be careful that you don't try to do everything at that level when it's not being Holy Spirit led. You following me? Okay? Is everybody clear with me? All right? Now look what the text says in Romans the fourth chapter verse number 18. Watch this. Her, hurt. And then we got the end on this one. This is very familiar, but... I want I want you to see it again and 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 grasp some understanding from this. Okay, because this I, I here's what I believe. I believe that some of the things that God wants to do in this ministry is going to require believers operating or being available to be used in this kind of faith. That supernatural Holy Spirit inspired faith that you know you you speak stuff that that people will be looking at you like. Now, do you really believe that? I mean, there are going to be some time when we're going to be called upon. And I think the Holy Spirit is going to move in your individual life. And it's going to this supernatural faith that's inspired by the Holy Spirit will be evident. And when people see it, they're going to be amazed that you could believe God for that. Okay, that needs to happen. We need all these gifts operating or being available to operate in this body. Okay, if you don't know about it, if you're ignorant of it, how can you be used with it? it be used by God. See, I, I think with, with every teaching and everything that we learn, it empowers us to be available, to be used by one of these Holy Spirit inspired gifts, okay? Uh, watch this, Romans the eight chapter, not eight chapter, the fourth chapter, verse number 18, let's read. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham, no, listen to what they said. Let that sink in right quick. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Even when the doctor said, can't do anything for you. Can you still keep believing? Can you still keep hoping? Hope is, in the biblical sense, the constant, the, the confident assurance of a future event. Confident assurance of a future event. Watch this. Okay, it says, uh, Abraham kept, believe, kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to them, that's how many descendants you will have. Come on, let's read on. It says, and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at age uh, at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. You know the story, they were past the childbearing uh, years. But they had a promise. If you got a promise, it doesn't matter what it says medically, if you got a promise, it doesn't matter what it says financially. If you got a promise, it doesn't matter what you feel emotionally. You stand on the promise. How do you stand on the promise? You gotta speak the word. You gotta speak to yourself. You need to hear yourself say what the word of God says about your situation. The Bible says, death and life is where? In the power of the tongue, and they love eat the fruit thereof. The Bible says, say unto this mountain. It didn't say uh, you know, think unto this mountain, say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say are going to come to pass. You'll have what you thought about. You have what you say. See, do you have enough confident assurance in God's word to speak it out loud to yourself and to your family members? Here's what I'm believing God for. What if it don't happen? If it don't happen, it don't happen. I'm going to go down believing. I'm going to go down confessing. Because I've learned this in my life, guys. Uh, whenever there's a time of challenge and when, they, and when you have to stand in faith and believe God for something that you can't see, the enemy will send all kinds of people into your life who, who to try to sow seeds of doubt and unbelief into you. Because he knows if he gets your eyes off of Jesus and gets it on that circumstance, he has you right where he wants you. So you got to keep speaking the word of God. And see, I don't care how long it takes. And again, I, I, I go back and, and, uh, and, and man, I'm going to use an example. I, you, you were speaking and believing for your business for 10, 12 years. And that, I'm sure that some people said, well, that ain't going to ever happen. But it happened because you kept speaking the word. You kept saying what you were believing. And not only, you know, faith without works is dead, you had to start doing some stuff. You had to start saving some money. You had to start planning. You had to do all this stuff. But you kept speaking the word. And you had to do that even when you didn't see the manifestation. So, how many of y'all are confident enough to keep speaking truth when you can't see anything moving? See, God, God, see, so at some point in time, guys, we as a church and you as an individual have to start believing what this book says and start doing what this book says. OK, because, you know, you, you got to build yourself up, build yourself up by speaking the word and, 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 and doing the things that are necessary. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I need to hear myself saying what God says about me. So speaking out loud, even when I'm praying or even when I'm driving my car, Lord, you know, uh, there, there's a need right now in, in the body. There's a need in the family. And God, I don't know how it's going to come. But you know what, Lord, you're my provider. I trust you. I'm a tither and giver of offerings. So, Lord, this situation right now is challenging. But God, I'm going to believe what your word says. You told me to say unto the mountain, be that I move, be that I catch and see and don't doubt in my heart, but believe in the things I'm saying going to come to pass. And I have what I said. And right now, God, I speak to this mountain. I speak to this financial situation. I speak to this health situation. I speak to this relationship situation that's gone awry. And God, I pray right now that you restore the broken relationship. God, I pray that you give me words of wisdom that's partner into the hearts and the minds of those people I'm in a relationship with and who I need to bring back together. And Lord, I believe you that it's going to come to pass. I don't see it right now, God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm trusting you. That it's going to take place. When's the last time you talked like that? When was the last time you start speaking the word to you? Mm, been that long? Enough. You just come to church? Oh, had a good time. Going all this stuff going in my life, and, you know, uh, you know, I, I, we can't do nothing but pray. Like that's like that's the, that's the most draconian thing in the world to do. That ought to be the first thing you do. Speak in the word. We can't do nothing, nothing else but pray. No, that should have been the first thing you did. Begin to pray the word of God. Speak the word of God. Oh, this is worse. Now watch this. Abraham never wavered and believing in God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He brought glory to God by what? His faith getting stronger. He was fully convinced. Watch this, guys. He was fully convinced that God is able to, to do whatever he promises. Now, guys, we need some people like this in the church. We need some Abraham-type folks in this assembly who will believe God for supernatural breakthrough, who believe God and will allow themselves to be utilized by God to to do something supernatural. Because what, what this does is it stimulates others in the faith walk. When you're available to be, to be supernaturally used by the Holy Spirit to do something in faith uh, that cannot be explained scientifically or medically, uh, but you let God use you to do that thing, it's going to stimulate the faith of others. Abraham and Sarah ain't had no business having no children. Come on now. 100 years old and 90 years old. They, they had no business having no baby. Y'all know it. Come on. Some of you can't even fathom that right now. My grandmama pregnant? (laughs) It would just floor you, wouldn't it? Mom and daddy, 80 years old, they having a baby? God says it. If God says it, I believe it.